Hello, my name is Kate Kinjal, and you're listening to the Remarkables podcast, Conversations with Remarkable People. Today, I'm with the remarkable Rachel Cunningham. Rachel is a massage therapist, singing teacher, and opera singer. As she says, not a combination you often see together. But after years of singing professionally, she enrolled in a massage course and fell in love with bodywork. In fact, she loved it as much as singing. Rachel then realised she could combine her two passions by becoming an expert in vocal massage, focusing on the neck, head and jaw areas. In this way, she offers solutions to other singers, people suffering from pain and tension in these areas and those struggling with vocal problems. Through her lessons as a singing teacher, Rachel also helps many people reclaim their voices and joy for singing. Rachel, thank you so much for being with me this evening. Um, I've, I've known you for a few years, uh, but I actually don't know how your love of music started. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that before we talk about what you're doing now, please? Well, it's very interesting because I started um, out playing the piano when I was six. Mm. My father was a funeral director mm. and somebody was playing the organ in the chapel one day and he said to mum, who's playing the, the organ in the chapel? And mum said, it's Rachel. And he said, no, it's not. They're playing <laughs> tunes. <laughs> And I was four. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I begged for a piano for the next two years. <laughs> and I remember the day it arrived, it was this beautiful walnut upright piano, and it was I was just happy. And I learned piano then from when I was six to 17. Wow. And okay. I also started out on the clarinet, and then I played the oboe. Oh, did you? I played the oboe, too. Did you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's an unusual <laughs> instrument. Yeah. Um, and then I did all the school choirs and mm. school shows, and... At our school, we had this amazing teacher called Vicky Gordon, mm. um, who actually died a couple of weeks ago. And the oh, outpouring sure. from hundreds and hundreds of girls um, that she inspired, mm. and so many of us went on to do music as a career because of her incredible high standards, love of music, and incredible talent. How wonderful. So she really made a amazing. big difference. I had too. an amazing English teacher at high school, and I did an English literature degree, mm-hmm. and I had an amazing music teacher, and I did a Bachelor of Music, and it was it was completely because of those teachers. I mean... They can have such an impact on their lives. Such an impact. And, and um, mm. she actually managed to have a farewell concert a few weeks ago and conducted oh, really? the whole thing. Wow. And uh, every girl that could come back came back for this concert. And oh, so I beautiful. hope she could see how much she's mm. touched Loved so many lives yeah. of music. Yeah. So That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, music's a great connector. Yes, so. yes, exactly. And then, so then I went on to university and mm-hmm. I did a Bachelor of Music and Performance Voice. Mm-hmm. And then I got into the Sydney Conservatorium. Mm-hmm. So I did a diploma of opera there. And then I worked in the Opera Australian Music Library for three years, preparing the scores for the orchestra and the chorus and the right. company as a whole. While you were singing as well? No, or I wasn't singing, singing there. Stage, I was, I was okay. um, just out of the conservatorium. But I learned more about opera in those three years, yeah. working in the library with the conductors and preparing the scores for the orchestra. Mm. We had to write all the up bows and the down bows mm. and all the orchestral string parts and everything. And then eventually I got into the chorus, and I've just last year celebrated 20 years. Wow, of Rachel, singing, singing ever since. So, 
goodness. Yeah. And mostly in Sydney. I mean, I mean, I know you wish, and we'd lo- I'd love to hear more about that because you've just been to China and had an yes. amazing time. But generally, did you travel around Australia with that? Well, the opera company travels to mm. Melbourne twice a year. Right. So when the ballet company comes here, the opera company goes to Melbourne. Right. We swap right. theatres. Mm. So mm. I had lots of trips to Melbourne mm. when I was full time in the chorus, mm. and yeah, now and recently China. China. Oh my goodness, yes, amazing for five weeks. Five weeks yeah. touring with Arma Butterfly through Incredible. five cities in China. So, wow, what a cultural, amazing, amazing um, I don't know, it was a bit of a shock, cultural shock. It was really interesting to think, well, not that different, but just to see cultures can be very mm. different. Mm. Mm. And uh, I loved it. I but really very appreciative of, what, of, your, of the music. Oh, music's... I mean, yeah. there's 44 channels on the television, yeah. but so many of them are singing competitions. Oh, really? Singing's really important right. to them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Some of them are very strange. They wore things on their heads so you couldn't see who it actually was singing. Oh. <laughs> I never got that one. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Anyway. So, so you're, you're teaching singing yourself now? I mean, you're... Yes, you're, I have mm. a studio at my home, mm. and um, I teach a few high school girls mm. and but mainly my studio is adult students mm. and what what is it about adults that you that makes you want to my favorite them? type of person to mm. teach is someone who has always wanted to sing and I meet so many adults who have a story that they were silenced often in a school choir mm. Mm. or at some event when they were very very young and They've basically held their voice back ever since, but there's this drive in them that they know instinctively they have to reclaim their voice. And not just with singing you're talking about, just, I mean, in this situation, do you think think in being silenced it's actually affected them um, in other ways as well? No, often they're incredibly high up in professional worlds, so it hasn't held Mm. them back in terms of their career, but there's still this need mm. to sing and claim that part of their voice back mm. so they're the type of people I absolutely loved yeah. gently <laughs> provide a safe space where they can have some fun and because if they were in a school choir or something like that at school they enjoyed it yes. you know there was a reason they were there sure. they wanted to sing mm. and mm. so to, to have someone say you're too loud you're out of tune can you just mime um, it's really powerful on an emotional level as well. And I would think also then actually quite brave to come to you in the first place to say I want to. If they've always thought, if they've always thought that they go. So what? Actually, what do you think? Absolutely terrified. We're talking, you know, top surgeons and yeah. business people and stuff. And I'm a bit scared to meet them. <laughs> you know, these huge people. But, but as we know, singing. Mm is can be very very scary to do it's sort of like here i am naked you know you're very vulnerable it's like you're opening a soul to the world so do you think it's is it word of mouth then i mean if they all i mean if they've been told if they've been told to stop singing because people don't think they can what is it that suddenly makes them decide actually you know what i can do this or is it more the fact that they've heard about somebody who's been to you and they've had such an amazing I think time i've been thinking about it you do? for a okay. long long time mm. Mm. and they're usually past 60 right yeah mm. so mm. and it's usually happened to them in primary school where they were told 
be quiet and so they just didn't they either never went in the choir again mm. or mm. Um, never sang again but there's been this little thought in the back of their head mm. so, um, and it's very good from a I mean from an emotional and physical oh, point of view actually is. isn't it just to let that voice out so you really are you're helping you really are helping people find their voice actually and mm. we know now the physical um uh, things that singing can give you and even just playing any musical instrument releases serotonin mm. with singing it regulates the breath so it calms mm. the central nervous system i've got an 87 year old student oh, and i wow. and i say she you know sometimes she'll come and go oh it's ridiculous i shouldn't be learning to sing blah 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 and i go all right here are all the physical um, Benefits. positive things mm. that happen to your body when you sing so just take it as um an aerobics class or something like that for your body and your serotonin levels and your endorphins and you're helping your central nervous system and leave it Fantastic. at that. <laughs> and how different is it to, because we also get an enormous amount of pleasure of course, out of listening to music, mm. but um, there's, a, there's obviously a It's very different. Every yeah. religion in the world has known the power mm, of singing and specifically communal singing. Mm. Mm. They know mm. how powerful that is, and they've shown now. There's there's the whole concept of entrainment, and and how if you're singing around other people, so they've actually proven at times heartbeats sync. Wow, that's that's scientific study that heart, but not only oh, breath amazing. can sync, but heartbeats can sync. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. Did you? I, I was on a podcast last week, and I was just talking. Um, I was asked I was asked what I'd do if I was queen for a day mm. and I had one serious one and I had one slightly more frivolous one but I, it was after watching Paul McCartney being interviewed by In Carpool Karaoke you know on TV where they all ended up in the pub in, in Liverpool playing and the the looks and the happiness on people's faces, but also the emotion. You know, there were some mm. people who were crying as well. So my wish was that everybody in the entire world would sing a Beatles song at the same time. Because <laughs> I thought, oh, because it does, lovely. because it lifts. It's such a joyful. It's such a joyful thing to do. It's such a joyful mm. thing to do. Mm. And now they've even done studies about children who learn a musical instrument, and their brains are wired differently after they've mm. learnt an oh, instrument. Mm. So. It's very, very powerful in terms of intellect and how a brain is synapsing and mm. the whole um, making of music and how that changes how you think. Exciting. So, and do you do you pick? Do they do they say I'd like to sing this, or do you do you decide? Do you we decide together. Together. Mm. Mm. And whatever they're interested in mm. is what we sing. Yeah. I've got a lady who likes to come and sing favourite hymns. Oh, lovely. That's mm. fine. And then mm. I've got another lady who likes to sing things that are probably way too hard, but mm. she's a big classical music fan, so she knows her rep. Yeah. And <laughs> but so we just sing because you've got to have music that you connect with. Yes, of course. Mm. And so with with the um, high school girls, not, they're not interested in singing the sort of stuff mm. that I grew up singing, mm. which was classical. Mm. Um and learning German lead and things like that. You know, mm. they want to sing, I don't know, Taylor Swift and yeah. <laughs> people like that. But, yes. you know, you can still um, teach them a lot and, mm. and most importantly, hopefully, give them an enjoyment of yeah. singing. Wonderful. Mm. I had a singing teacher. Yeah. Oh, she wasn't very nice. <laughs> and she used to say, 
like when someone is critical of you and especially of your voice mm. it's very hard not yeah, to take it to heart because yeah. you are the instrument and that's yes. something singers and, and actors too as having their body as their instrument mm. as well mm. um, we really struggle with criticism and mm. rejection of because it's hard to say it's not of us yes, exactly. whereas if you know you can say oh my flute wasn't working well yeah. today <laughs> But um, yes, yeah, so I had a singing teacher, and she used to say things like, "I don't even know how you can make those sounds come out of your oh, mouth," no. and you just leave feeling, you know, absolutely crushed, yeah. and have to have the courage to walk back in that door the week after. And uh, that's what I don't want to happen to no. people. Well, she could only see you now as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's funny. It's, I sang in a choir at. Um, at when I was at boarding school and uh, we used to have to do the usual, you know, parade up the, not parade, that's the wrong word, isn't it, but walk up the aisle and with even so we'd have a candle yes. and I had one particular friend who didn't sing but she used to sit on the end so she could try and trip me up every single time. It was jolly lucky <laughs> we didn't burn the chapel down. But, uh, <laughs> I was ready for her. I was ready for her. Anyway. Yeah, it's so funny. Anyway, so singing tip. Now, vocal massage, that's the other. That's the, one of the other strings to your bow. So tell me a little I know, bit so about that. So I often that. get asked, how did you end up being a vocal massage therapist? Mm. And I go, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I had some time off because I'm one of those people who just keeps doing course after course because I like being, you know... <laughs> busy for yes. some reason and um i had some time off between operas and i thought oh what shall i do oh i'm going to do a swedish massage course i've always said i'd mm. do that for fun and yes. it was just meant to be you know stress relief <laughs> well the next minute i had a diploma of remedial massage wow. and then i had this captive audience in the opera house in between rehearsals so we'd oh, come down from stage and mm. people would say oh can i have a massage and they ended up giving me a room in the mm. opera house, which was very kind of them. So I massaged all the chorus and soloists of the opera company. Right. And then I started to realise how what we'd just done was affecting my voice. Mm. For instance, if we were in really heavy costumes or we were in corsets on a raked stage, which is a tilted stage, and so you, you, your weight sort of thrust forward and then you trying to readjust your head position and how that can affect your voice Mm. or you might be in a really heavy wig that's really high and so you start to engage muscles around the larynx that you normally wouldn't when you were using good singing technique and so then I went off and sort of studied every neck or head massage course I could find Mm. and then finally I found actual vocal massage and then weirdly one of my um clients had had thyroid cancer so we were looking at she was in a lot of pain from the scar tissue under Mm -hmm. her chin which was pulling right down to her collarbone she was a doctor and she told her ENT about me Mm. and he rang me up and said I want to meet you I think I've got clients I could patients I could send to you who have excessive tension around the larynx um, and suddenly I was drawn into this whole world of voice disorder, which I knew nothing about. And to meet, as an opera singer, to meet these people who cannot speak. And it's quite rare, mm. but so it's to other people it sounds like they have laryngitis. Right. And what it does to their lives and their relationships and their social lives and their emotional state it's huge because they are silenced. So their voice might work for one hour yeah. and then it's gone. Wow. It just fatigues and there's nothing left. So, oh, yeah. um, so 
and it's been really humbling to mm. meet these people and um, and work with them and try and help them in any way I can. Yeah. And so, how long does it take to actually? I mean, it's obviously being effective. How long does it actually take to help? I mean, do you see them? Do you see them for sort of several sessions? Some of them have, some of them have different disorders. So mm-hmm. some of the disorders are neurological. So right. we can relieve the pain mm-hmm. and the tension. Mm-hmm. But then, because it's neurological, it, it just goes back after a few days, right. and right. that's something called spasmodic dysphonia. There's no known cause, and there's mm-hmm. no cure, mm-hmm. and um, it's a horrible thing. There was an, an Australian story on Jenny Morris, right. who was a um, Sing, a New Zealand singer but she also sang with In Excess and people mm. like that Neil Finn and people like that mm. and she actually got I'm not sure if she got that one but something similar and she went on Australian Story because she said I want to tell people what happened to me because everyone sort of where did you go mm. you know you're mm. at the top of your career and then you disappeared um, and, and that was, that's a really weird one because singing I asked the ENT this singing uh, comes from a the opposite side of the brain to speaking. So sometimes these people can sing, but they they can't speak because the messages aren't getting to the vocal mm. folds to, for the speaking. So I mean, I just find it fascinating. Mm. So mm. I've decided to further my studies and, and go more into that world because it's um, really very interesting. Is that what? Because Julie Andrews was somebody who um, was to, was that just overuse of her of her no. voice? Oh, I'm not sure. Okay, so that's really interesting too. This is a message I want everyone to hear. Mm-hmm. I've just been down to a um, conference in Adelaide with the Australian Voice Association and they had a, an American um, uh, speech pathologist speaking who's also an opera singer mm-hmm. and she rehabilitates people like Adele oh, back right, onto okay. the stage. Right. So they might get a vocal injury mm-hmm. and she'll treat them and then, but then work with their singing voice as well to get them performing again. And she said everyone has a vocal load that they can do per day with their vocal cords. And once you go over that load, you will get a vocal injury. So anyone who's a teacher or a lawyer or a PT or an auctioneer or works at a call centre, you know, people might find by the end of the day their voices sort of hurts to talk or they're a bit fatigued. If that goes on for more than three weeks, you need to go and see a speech pathologist. Really? Yep. So, and what happens if they're dead? I mean, it's damaged, permanently damaged. Well, they'll probably get damaged. Oh, no, they, they might not necessarily have an injury, but right. if it goes on for longer than two to three weeks, mm-hmm. you should go and get someone to check it just out. Just right. Just to find out right. what's going on. So, I mean, that must, most people won't know that. No, no. I, mean, I didn't know that. <laughs> As a singer, I'd never heard of vocal load or anything no. like that. And of course, it's a huge thing for um, school teachers. Yeah, of course. Because mm. often now that I've had some clients and they'll work in these classrooms and they'll open up the middle section and all of a sudden they're having to project in a noisy environment to 65 children mm. in two rooms long, mm. you know, length. So it's far more taxing on their voice. And so she said what we need to do is stop thinking about vocal injury um, as vocal abuse or bad technique, that Mm. it can just be too heavy a vocal load for those tiny little muscles um, in the larynx. And it's more an RSI injury like carpal tunnel. tunnel So, yeah, so going back to Julie Andrews, 
I can't remember if she had nodules or... I think she might have had nodules. Yeah, and these days they don't operate for nodules. Nodules can actually be fixed with um, speech therapy. Oh, really? Which most people don't know. There's other things called polyps and other types of things that they have to actually go in and and cut them off. So, yes, apparently her surgeon wasn't very good. Oh really? Okay. So then she was so she was permanently damaged then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I do seem to remember. Not very happy. That. No, I bet not. <laughs> no. Very well, that's Such your a shame. your voice is your livelihood. My goodness. Mm-hmm. So you've actually looked after. I know you're not going to name them, but I know you've looked after some actually really quite famous people who come to town and sing yes, and I've um, need after, your help. I've looked after <laughs> a rock singer, yeah. and he rang me up and he said, "Oh, oh, it's so and so here." Yeah. Um, you know, do you will you come to me? And I was like, no, 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 don't. <laughs> no, no, no you can look on my booking system, blah blah. Put the phone down, and then I went, I know that name. And then so I looked at it. I was like, oh my god! And I rang her back. And I said, I'm so sorry. Yes, I I realise why you can't come to me. <laughs> so I went to his um, hotel room yeah, with yeah. his girlfriend. Was there? Yes. It was <laughs> proper but anyway mm. he'd never had a singing lesson he didn't know to warm his voice up or really? warm his voice down he'd never sung a scale in his life wow and as an opera singer i found it just i was like your profession i'm going to mm. say this for at the time but, you know his profession is his voice mm. he's a he's a rock singer you know if it goes wrong but it's just never been on his radar Isn't to it, think about so his instrument. It's because, it, I mean, as an athlete, you warm yeah, exactly. up and you do your exercises yeah. and you do the same at the end. Yes, yeah, right. so why, I suppose, why wouldn't it be any different? And as you say, it is. It's there once without a voice, if you're, if that's your profession, that's right. your profession's gone. Well, and yeah. then I said to him, so we did all this stuff, and he said, oh, this is fascinating, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then I said, oh, well, show me, you know, sing for me. And he bent over, and I went, what are you doing? And he said, oh, well, I have all my keyboards around me, and I play like and sing like this. And oh I went, well, goodness. no wonder. <laughs> <laughs> no. He was literally nearly bent double. And I'm going, he can't sing like that. <laughs> well, of course, he can, and he, he does. does but yeah. um, <laughs> So you didn't just... see him at his next concert sitting up oh. saying, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, he actually went back and he had a sound check that night, and the and the sound guy said, "What have you done? You sound better than you have for four oh, years." There you I was yes. Like, yes. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. Wow! But he loved it. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. So, and that's um, well, and the other thing is, you know, all all these singing competitions we have, nobody hears the other side of the story. Mm. Um, as this lady in Adelaide was saying, you, if you're a singer, you're an elite athlete. You know, you have honed those muscles to work at an elite level. Yeah. And you get these kids going on The Voice, mm-hmm. and th- suddenly they're made to sing and rehearse eight hours a day. Yes, of course they are. That's right, but then they've never done And they're exhausted, yeah. and sometimes they'll end up with a vocal injury. And then they get, of course, the cut to the tears, and yeah. the you know, mm. and that's all very mm. dramatic and everything. But mm. there's a lot of us who have a problem with. Mm. Um, you wouldn't ask someone who wasn't a professional sprinter mm. to train as a pre- professional sprinter for eight hours. No, no. And you know, yes, it's something it's, that most people never that had never occurred to me. But of course, it's, yes, yeah, they're put under yeah, a lot of pressure. pressure. I mean, look, fair enough, they know going in and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's also this this thing about they've had no lessons. Mm-hmm. Why would we say that of a rugby yeah. player? Or you know, yeah. why do we think that's a good thing? Mm-hmm. Um, 
because it's, it's this thing isn't it about oh, it's such natural talent oh, natural a, talent yeah, but we wouldn't yeah. think that of a sports person no, no. we would expect yeah, and, and hope they had had to a high training. level they would be having tra- yeah exactly yeah and that's fascinating so, isn't it yeah so yeah. I think more and more singers, singers are realising they have to think as athletes mm, mm. yeah and so uh, I know that, that I mean the conference in in Adelaide has really changed mm. your direction a little bit. Are you happy to talk about mm. that now? Yeah. You, yeah. So this mm. um, lady who spoke uh, was an opera singer and a singing teacher, and then trained in speech pathology, and now rehabilitates um, performers back to the stage. And we don't really have anyone doing that here. Mm. Um, and in her presentation, she was explaining why you need the medical side as well. Why to have both worlds working as, you, as you're trying to rehabilitate someone mm. is so important. So it's made me... Um, I've been talking about doing a speech pathology degree for years, so uh, I'm, I'm starting the prerequisites anyway. We'll right. see where I get. <laughs> and so how long would that, if you... Oh, it would take me about five and a half, six years. So you had to be fairly dedicated. Yes. But I mean, Mm. look, I mean, the initial subjects I would have to do would be um, uh, neurology of speech. Mm. Well, that's going to be fascinating to me, isn't it? So Mm. um, even if I do a few of these subjects, it's still going to help me in many ways. So understand. see how far I get. And I'm sure you will, as you said, it'll be interesting to you because that's what you... That's that's right. And it'll go into my singing, teaching and everything anyway. Exactly. Do your kids play instruments and sing? Yes, um, my daughter sings and plays the trumpet, and mm. my son won't sing. Oh, when? <laughs> <laughs> Even though we know he can, but yeah. and he has a rock, rock band. Oh, He's great. a drummer. Oh, fantastic! So yeah, our yeah. house is mm. very noisy for noisy. the neighbours. Yeah. <laughs> And John and I are always fighting for the room. I'm going, I've got a student! Get out! <laughs> Can I just drum for the mum? Yeah, there's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, Lizzie's getting into her singing more and more, so great. that's nice. That's good. And I come yeah. from a great family of whistlers. Nobody whistles anymore. Mm-hmm. And I declare you have to be happy to whistle. Yes. Can you think of anyone that you've heard whistling in the last few days? Actually, funnily enough, my, my, my youngest son coming down the stairs there for dinner. But, no, you're right, it doesn't happen very often. Sometimes you hear butchers or yes. people, um, gardeners yeah. sometimes, but you can't whistle if it's sad. No, that's true. So, yes. Isn't that I interesting? Say, whistle yeah. more, people. Yes. Well, we'll try that. But it's also, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> knowing how to Technique. whistle as well. So your family all whistled. They whistled. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And you don't really hear no. it much now. No. Um, and Dad used to listen to these Roger Whittaker oh, yes, records and he whistled <laughs> yes. sections of the songs. Oh, dear. Funny. Yes. So tell me about a little bit more about um, about China because in a way that was, it was like a sort of break away from here oh. but I think you sort of came back with a renewed energy and, and vigour in think, a way, didn't you? Um, I haven't travelled for many years mm. um, especially not a big trip like that, you know, since I've had children and they're mm. 12 and 15 now. So, and you just forget how much, how, how insular you can get and how it just opens your horizon. Mm. It, it mm. just um, makes you just realise what a great big world it is. Mm. And 
you know, our own little corner of it can, you can just (laughs) sort of go from wall to wall sometimes and then, wow. I mean, I stood on top of a mountain there and this Chinese hiking club decided to befriend me and got their huge hiking orange um, flag out and were taking all these photos with me in the middle of their hiking class. (laughs) Fantastic! <laughs> very funny. And and traveling with the with the company, as it were, did you? All, I mean, did is that did that all work really well? Does everybody get on? Are there other prima donnas in there and that sort of thing, or does it actually? No, everyone you know, was Everybody lovely. got on really well together. And mm. and the performers, we felt pretty bad actually because so we did f- um, five cities, mm. but we would have days off, but the technical crew. Mm had to pack the entire stage show of Madame yeah, Butterfly, huge, yeah. have it in the trucks by 6am because of the curfews on trucks in China. Mm-hmm. So you're not allowed to drive trucks through cities after 6am. After oh, wow. Genius. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, so then that had to be out and trucked by 6 So So we would leave mm. the last performance of that particular city at mm. night at 11 o'clock or whatever. They would join us for breakfast having worked... Since 10 a.m. the day before, all the way through to 8 a.m. I mean, you can imagine what they look like. Mm. So they'd sit there and have a beer for breakfast (laughs) and then go and sleep. Yeah. Um, And then they would spend the first two days of the next city rebuilding the entire set. And the set has water. It's it's a Japanese beautiful set with bridges over water and cherry blossoms and all that. I mean, it's stunning, but it's a very Mm. difficult set to tour to these theatres they'd never been in before. So everything was was new each time. Yeah, so we Mm. might get two or three days off and we'd be swanning around China having a lovely time. And, And these guys were just... They got two days off in five weeks. Gosh. Oh... So yes, and tell what is your what's your sort of vision? For, I mean, I know you've got you're, you're obviously going to keep on doing all these three things. You're going to keep on singing, keep on teaching, and keep on doing the vocal massage. Where do you see yourself, sort of in in five years, or where would you like to see yourself in five years' time? I think I would like to become much more knowledgeable about how to help people who are having trouble with their voice, whether Mm -hmm. it's having trouble with um, singing in their local choir or or whether it's actually working with the speech pathologists Mm -hmm. and ENTs with these people with, you know, quite severe vocal disorders, they Mm -hmm. call it. Um, Mm -hmm. um, So I think just just carrying on that path, I find Mm -hmm. it fascinating Mm. but getting more tools and knowing a bit more about why I'm doing what like sometimes you can do things quite and it's quite instinctive but to have more knowledge behind that and go okay well if if you're doing that you know these are this is what we should be doing and Mm. one thing that was really interesting that this lady said was she would get performers to write out an A4 page and divide it up into days and she would get them to note down every moment they use their voice to work out what their actual vocal load was and anyone who's working professionally using mm-hmm. their voice can do that and then work out if your voice is getting tired when that happens and try and reduce your vocal load by half an hour to an hour each day and then see how That's you go interesting okay mm. so take mm. so if you are having to talk and talk and talk at lunchtime, disappear 
Don't mm-hmm. go into the staff room and talk to everyone and then go and teach another four classes. Mm-hmm. Disappear and rest those tiny two little vocal folds mm-hmm. so that you actually break up. I mean, can you imagine just getting a weight and doing that with your bicep every day? Yeah. can't see this on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Imagine, yeah, weight just training. using yeah. a muscle yeah. the entire time. The time. We yeah, know. exhausting. Yeah. We know bodies don't yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where RSI yeah. comes in. Yeah. And yeah, to learn that that's the same thing with the voice. Yeah. And so the importance of scheduling in silence to your day, which goes in with the, um, the whole sort of wellness movement of mindfulness and mm, exactly. time out. And yeah. Silence, the importance of yeah. silence. Mm. And boy, that's missing in... Not oh, in, in, in most life. yes, in most places. Is there anything? Do, do they eat anything particularly, or or drink? I mean, is there anything that can help them from that point of view? Not really. There's, and there's all that we asked mm. this lady this because mm. people have these particular pills, you know, mm. vocal zone pills right. they take, and people are steaming and all this yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. And and um, no. no, she said if it makes the person feel better. Then it's and it fine. doesn't hurt them. Yeah, <laughs> let them do it. Yes, yeah. But otherwise, yeah, nothing. Like if you're ingesting something, it doesn't reach the vocal no. folds. It's going no. down the wrong tube, basically. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yes. Mm. And look, I mean, there's another whole aspect of that, and that's called reflux. Mm. And so, for cer- certain people, certain foods do call, cause reflux, and, and then you've got acid, can, and then you've yes, got the possible burning or ulcers or that sort of folds. thing that are actually in there. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. But there's lots of um, singers, especially, have lots of um, superstitions. You know, oh, do they? Like um, don't drink, like, don't drink milk, don't drink, really? don't have bananas. But, and you know, for some people, it affects them, so yeah. it makes sense. But yeah, yeah there's a lot of mm. myth out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's been absolutely fascinating. It really has. I've learned a lot more, and uh, and I know how utterly dedicated you are to your clients and um and wanting to have a massive impact i know you will so thank Thank you you so much thank you very much indeed for having a chat it's been lovely it's been a pleasure (laughs) thanks rachel Thank you for listening to the Remarkableness Podcast with me, Kate Gingell, and my lovely guest, Rachel Cunningham. If you'd like to find out more about Rachel and the services she provides, please go to her website, which is www.vocaleasemassage.com.au. And if you know people who might benefit from Rachel's services or who might simply enjoy listening to the podcast, then please share it with them. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.